Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. They're very odd creatures. They should put them in a museum. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. You care less about what people think about you when what you get back tends to be very positive in terms of what people think about you. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. You have crossed the social norm boundary there. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Because it's so important to our survival. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're going to talk about stopping caring what other people think. Yes, please. This is one of those, my sister has a phrase, like whenever people say something about themselves, believe the opposite. And I think this is true. That, yes, like, yes. I, like to think of myself as a person who doesn't care what other people think, but then someone writes something mean about the size of my forehead on Facebook and it hurts my feelings. (laughs) So yes, I mean, I definitely care what people think. I definitely consider myself someone who doesn't care what people think while caring quite a bit about what people think. Yeah. While caring what people think. Well, it's human nature. We're going to talk about like why we're hardwired to do this. And then when it becomes a problem and then perhaps some solutions. How does that sound? Yeah, I have a lot to say about this. I've thought so much about it. It has at some times of my life, I feel like been the true bane of my existence. Like caring what people think has at times been the definitive thing that shaped my personality. And I think I've gotten better about it. So I think I do have some insights to offer. So Roman Stoic philosopher... Marcus Aurelius, you know him well. Oh, Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> he's someone that I've learned about on flashcards with my seventh grader, for sure. Yes. Well, he's 2000 years ago, guys. He said, we all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinions than our own. So apparently it's been happening for a while. And I will say this is I'm glad that it's a male Roman Stoic philosopher saying we all do this because I feel like this is yet another thing that's, I think, put on women more than men. Like, just stop caring what other people think so much as if that's something that men don't do. And here's Marcus Aurelius like, yeah, we all do that. Let me go theoretical first, Amy, and tell me maybe you have research to back it up or or it's just an agree or disagree. I feel strongly that this is something that gets better with age. Well, I have an extremely dubious study that I can quote you in response to this, proving that you're right. Oh, I love a dubious study. A study of 2,000 British people by Hodder.com, which is... Hodder.com? Yeah, Hodder. Like H-O-T-T-E-R. Yes. Yes. It's a like 
Okay. So not a scholarly think tank that we usually go to for our That's right. insights. Right. Hotter.com. Top think tank British slutty shoe brand Hotter.com <laughs> surveyed 2,000 <laughs> British people. And they asked them, is, was there an age where you stopped caring what other people thought? And in that study, people reported it being an average of 46 years old when they stopped caring what people thought. Yeah, that tracks for me. I was just spending time with my two sisters-in-law, who beyond being two of my favorite people on the planet, happened to be two of the most physically attractive human beings I've ever known in my life. They're just like uniquely stunning human specimens. And shockingly are also two of the nicest people I've ever met. So like, it's an odd thing. Like they happen to be, they're like super creatures. They look like supermodels and you would want to hate them, but they have like absolute hearts of gold and you love them. They're very odd creatures. They should put them in a museum. But I met them when they were, God, teenagers, which is crazy to think now. And Life does go by. And now they're both in their 30s and have kids and are still, you know, stunningly gorgeous, but are starting to hit an age where like physical beauty is a little bit maybe (laughs) on the down slide, you know. And you like these people, you said. Right. Like these are people who you're used to just getting up in the morning. I will tell a very brief side story about them, which is that they came to visit me in L.A. and they are from smaller towns in Texas, not cities. They're country mice. And I had a six-week-old baby, my first baby. They came to visit the baby. And I was very concerned because I wanted them to go out. We had a subway system in LA. And I wanted them to go out and see the city, but I didn't want to take the baby. And so, and we only had one car. So I was like, you're going to have to go out by yourself. So I had left them at Hollywood and Highland, which is a very busy intersection in LA. It's where the... The Oscars and yeah, the Walk of Fame. It's a famous place, but it's a little sketchy and seedy. Yeah. And I was like, you can take the subway. It's only two stops. I drew them like 400 maps. I was so worried about them. Yes. And then like three hours later, they come home and I'd been so worried and they were okay. And they're like, oh no, you know, we must have looked so pathetic because this police officer came over and bought us our tickets and got us onto the subway car train and rode with us the two stops back and then walked us to your front door. (gasps) Isn't that nice? And I was like, yeah, but that does not happen to everybody. No, that is something that only happens to like the hyper attractive that the police is like, let me pause my day and get these two extremely good looking girls back (laughs) home and chat them up the whole way. And anyway, we were sitting, you know, we were just uh, we're on vacation and we were sitting by the lake having the long philosophical conversations. And they were saying, you know, Basically, that it's an evolution to kind of start to feel like that your looks are not the first thing that people respond to about you. Mm -hmm. And I think they're in their 30s now and saying really like, oh, I am just starting to untangle myself from like being a person who cares a lot what people think. But I think their process is starting because... This thing that has been very central to their lives, which is being like kind of extraordinarily good looking. It's like you see that starting, that ship is starting to go to sea. And I think whether or not you start from the peak or, you know, some midline or even a valley, it's like, oh, getting older really forces you to reckon with this thing of I am no longer a person who like I can clearly remember the first time I was on a plane and like struggling with a bag. And nobody came over to help me. Like when I was a young blonde woman in my 20s and 30s, 
whenever I was struggling with a bag, someone came to help me with, oh, let me give you a hand with that. Mm. And it's like, I have somehow lost the beacon that is like hot girl in distress. And now I'm like invisible mom in distress. And everyone's like, too bad for you, Aldi Lux. So what you're saying is you care less about what people think about you when what you get back tends to be very positive in terms of what people think about you. You start to worry about what people think of you when you're getting either indifference or worse. Here's what I'm saying, which is even crazier than that. You care the most what people think about you when people think well of you. Like when you're at your peak of attractiveness, you care the most what people think about you because it's like kind of an unsteady like peak that you're standing on, I think. Right. And that as it starts to go away, you are forced to let go of caring what people think of you. Yes. So yes. it's not that you care more when you get less. You weirdly care the most when there's the most at stake, when you're the most young and attractive. But when you also have the most positivity around it. And it takes losing it to be like unsettled by it and then come out the other side of like, all right, I guess I don't care. I guess I can choose yeah. to ignore this or like build something around it. You have to go through that valley first, maybe. I think that what I have learned as an oldie locks is that is very much a yin yang kind of situation. The more interest you have in what people think about you, the more you care about it. So that when you're young and like, and to be fair, when you're young, you spend a lot of time trying to get jobs, like trying right. to be pleasing to other people, trying to date. Like you are constantly in the game of like what people think about you is actually extremely important mm -hmm. when you're and curating what people think about you're you. Like, That's right. Yeah. You're kind of trying to attract a mate. You're trying to get a job. You're trying to make it in your chosen field. Like what people think about you defines your whole life in your 20s. And luckily, you're kind of at your peak of power, whether it's like physical looks whatever it happens to be. And then you get more settled. And I think that that wave kind of, what is it called? The wave goes out a little bit on it. And it's like the positivity is no longer available to you. But the upside is that the judgment is not as meaningful to you either. Does that make sense? It does. And then there's another thing for women in particular, which is parenting. Like, I feel like that's the other thing. Like we're judging our appearance as women and we're judged on our performance as parents male parents too but mothers are acutely aware of being judged as how we parent and i think not incorrectly about that it's not your imagination that people are judging your choices when you're giving your kid an ipad at the restaurant or not giving your kid an ipad at the restaurant and they're crying and making noise right or giving your kid a pouch or not giving right. your kid a pouch and we have an episode called Parenting with an Audience. I'll link to that in the show notes because the whole episode is specifically about this. Like when you let what the lady sitting across from you on the airplane is thinking of your parenting, adjust how you parent. You know, when is that OK? Sometimes it's called for and when is it a problem? But it's another thing about what people think of you and wondering what they think and caring what they think. I feel like parenting is a total thunderdome. Well, you just stepped on a tripwire that I think is super interesting, which is that sometimes this is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Like we always think of external judgment as like, how dare they? But there we are a society and this is how we function in a society. And so that if you have a screaming, crying baby and there is a room in which you are in a like quiet restaurant in which every single person is bristling, like it might be appropriate <laughs> to take the baby Pick up outside. on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like picking up on social cues is quite, I have, you know, tweens and teens are doing a lot of work on picking up on social cues. And, you know, I have a kid on the spectrum. It's a little harder to pick up on social cues. It's something we work on a lot at our house. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, have you talked for 25 minutes about, you know, the Marvel movie you saw? Like, do you read other people's faces that they're getting bored with this topic? Like, it is important. Like, we are social animals and those social cues can be important. And I think sometimes we want to attack it from the point of view of like, well, how dare anyone on the plane judge my screaming yes. two-year-old? And it's like, well, they do dare. Like, we're all trapped in a tin can together. <laughs> if your two-year-old has an earache and is having a horrible day, I guess we all have to suck it up. Give it a shot. Right, right. Yeah. Try to do something. If your two-year-old is running up and down the aisle and, like, coughing on strangers and just slamming the back of the person's seat, there was a video that went viral of a two-year-old picture on a plane the tray table's down the two-year-old is standing on the tray table basically with like the hair of the person in front of them like in their hands and like jumping up and down like the tray table is a trample yeah and the parents are just like reading books on either side and it's like okay that actually is you have crossed the social norm boundary there and we should all be shooting you dirty looks because you are outside of the social norms but then i think what's interesting about like caring what people think is where are those judgments appropriate and adjusting like okay you've talked about marvel for so long that everyone in the room is bored you should stop talking about marvel that's an important adjustment to know how to make but like you no longer have the body of like a prepubescent girl and therefore you are ugly to people. That's not useful. Mm -hmm. And so we should not care what people think. Can I tell my own airplane shame story that the same thing? Because I'm sure people have seen this. I forget who it was. It was a professional athlete. I believe a basketball player might've been a baseball player put, tried to shame the airline by putting up a picture of his, you know, the three-seater picture, like, you know, across the aisle, like ABC. It looked like a hurricane hit it. There was all kinds of Cheerios and stuff, like, mashed up on the carpet below the seats. And he took this picture and he put it on the internet and said, like, at, hey, at American Airlines or whatever airlines it was, like, how dare you tell my wife that she has to pick that up? Like, she is a mother traveling and this is how you treat your customers and of course like they came for him in the comments he was completely ratio with people being like dude whose dub do you think that is is it the flight attendant who's trying to deal with like people fighting over covid like no like clean up after your kids and then on top of that like maybe you could why is it your wife's job to clean up this cheerios on the floor you're clearly sitting there across the aisle maybe Taking you could pictures, pick up the cheerios perhaps this is your job yes so sometimes feedback is is appropriate. I was just speaking to a guest on the What Fresh Hell podcast who had a really good insight on this that I'm going to share when we come back from the exciting. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So on the very next episode, I am talking to Raina Boston on our Fresh Take about mom scams. And We talked a lot about like this kind of idea of like, how do we scam moms into feeling like they should feel guilty if they're away from their kids or they should feel bad about, you know, working or all these different kind of ideas of that people kind of hang on moms on society. And she said that she likes to think about who is profiting from this idea, who is profiting from the idea that moms should always be home taking care of the kids while their husband works. Mm-hmm. And that if they try to, you know, get off of that by going out, she was talking about, you know, a CEO of a company, female CEO, and they're always asked like, well, where are your kids? Isn't it hard to be away from your kids? And that males are never asked that question. Like who profits from the idea that women should be extremely thin? Women should always stay young looking. Women should always be at home with their kids. And then like who benefits instead of profits, but like it's the same basic Mm -hmm. word in the sentence from the idea that a two-year-old should not 
go ham on an airplane, right? right? Who benefits from that idea is all of the people on the airplane. It's a communal, like, I thought it was a really good touchstone for, like, is this idea of use to me? Like, who benefits from the idea that I should keep my voice down and my kids under control at this fancy restaurant? Like, people who've paid a lot of money to dine, like, you could okay, possibly yes. say, like, the whole concept of fine dining is a sham. Like, you don't have to take it 800 steps out. Who benefits from the idea that I should stop talking about Marvel after half an hour? Maybe the people in the room who are bored. But, like, who profits from the idea that women should be thin? It's an idea that serves... Yeah, but you still feel, you know, you still have to bear the slings and arrows of it, right? Like, the example I'm thinking of is who benefits when they're shooting dirty looks at you when you're breastfeeding in a public space, which is your right to feed your baby because they don't want to look at that and they think you should cover up and you don't want to cover up or your baby doesn't like being covered up or whatever that who benefits like their eyeballs? Who cares? I'm going to feed my baby. But I still hated being on the receiving end of that. This is what I'm saying. It's not a cure, but it's like a little bit of a stopgap when you say like, what is wrong with breastfeeding my baby in public? Mm -hmm. People who object to it feel that I am, you know, throwing off like puritanical right. ideas about like women's bodies and what they're for. Therefore, it doesn't make me necessarily not feel bad that someone's shooting me a dagger, but it is a little break in the fire line where I say like, actually, I'm right and they're wrong. And so stare away. You know, it helps you to frame like, is this a useful shaming? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And so therefore, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt my feelings, but it does help me frame that like, oh, this is one of those useless things that like, yes, it will still hurt my feelings if I'm, let's say, having a disagreement about a parking spot and someone's like, you're old and fat. Like, will that hurt my feelings? It will. But it's wrong. They're wrong to say that to me. And it still helps to give it some context, I think. Well, okay, but this gets me into another thing. I'm like, it depends, right? And the thing that we're being judged for, whether it's like looking young or breastfeeding our kid or how our kids are behaving, that's one thing. And then the other complete X factor in this is who's the person? If somebody who wants your parking spot is telling you you're old and fat, it, it certainly is like rude, but it's not your mother-in-law, right? It's not your right. <laughs> loved one. It's not your kid. It's not the like caring what people think. It's not your boss giving you unwelcome feedback. Let's not care what people think. And that can be like the arrest of the people on the airplane. But when it's there are people whose opinions should be easy to ignore and there are opinions whose people whose opinions are harder to ignore and maybe should be harder to ignore or can't be ignored you know what I mean? Like there's somebody at work that just doesn't like me. I'm thinking in, in particular, like back in the day, like at drop off, there just was a mom who just didn't like me. And like then she kind of stopped speaking to me. And like I knew, like I combed my conscience for like, what have I done to this person? Like nothing. She just seems to like drama. I'm just not going to let it bother me. I'm just not going to respond. But of course, it still bothered me. You know, because I, mean? I still see this person every day. It depends. Well, there's two things. You can't take out the fact that it hurts. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing. I've done a tremendous amount of work around like body issue stuff for myself and getting rid of a scale and deciding that like I was not going to care what size pants I wore. And like I have done that work and I have really decided that like I am no longer like I spent years of my life being like the size pants I'm in is the determinant of my, my personal right, value. Right. And I have stopped doing that for myself. 
Now, if I am anywhere and someone says like, move it, fatso, will I cry? I will cry a thousand years into the future when anyone calls me fat because it's hardwired into me to hurt my feelings. I think that the work of not caring what people think is the work of stopping the crazy dance of trying to fit into a certain size uh-huh. pants. So, so nobody will say that. Right, right, right. But it's always going to hurt when someone says something cruel to you. They're trying to be cruel. Or they're not trying to be I've cruel. I've said this to my kids a million times and someone said it to me and I think it, I think there are people who are trying to be cruel and I think there are people who are trying to hurt you and people who are not and both of them hurt. Like, I've definitely had people make mean comments about my weight to be hurtful to me and then I've had people say, oh my God, are you pregnant? I'm so excited for Mm -hmm. you. And I'm like, no, I'm not (laughs) pregnant and haven't been in 12 years. Like, it doesn't almost matter what they're trying to do. But I think we have to separate the idea that things hurt our feelings from whether or not we care what those people yes, think. Yes, like, yes, I have done the hard work of not caring what people think in the macro in terms of trying to like divorce myself from thinking a lot about what I weigh. But it always hurts my feelings when people say things that indicate that they think I'm fat. Like, and it always will. I think that they're two separate issues. But what I was going to say before that is that I say this to my kids. Someone said it to me, and I think it's very useful. Of course, that hurt your feelings. That person was trying to hurt your feelings. Like, of course, that hurt your feelings. I was talking to the women who wrote the book, Good Moms, Bad Choices, on a recent Fresh Take. And they are extremely, you know, kind of free in their ideas about motherhood. And they have done a ton of thinking about what it looks like to be a good mom and trying to get rid of some of the sort of older patriarchal racist ideas about what it means to be a good mom for their own sakes. Mm -hmm. But they still in our conversation, were saying if someone even on a comment on Instagram is like, you're a terrible mother. It hurts their feelings. Of course, it hurts their feelings because someone is trying to strike you right in the soft tissue under the ribs and it works that's why it works because it's a vulnerability can we talk about the hurting yes and then why and why the hurting is because i actually i have you know me i have research and i wanted to bring this thing because i thought this was absolutely fascinating like the we use the metaphor our feelings being hurt and describing emotional things with physical pain is accurate so there's a reason right that we care what people think it's obvious because we need society to survive I'm going to quote Dr. Melissa Sedmack here. She's a psychologist. She says, as a species, we have an innate need to belong in order to survive, therefore caring about what other people think and tailoring how we express ourselves and who we are based on the feedback we're getting means that we fit in and we're not an outcast and we don't have to go live. It's a biological imperative. We're not on the rocky outcropping by ourselves. It's hardwired. But then there's this other research. This is the part that was really interesting. Naomi Eisenberger another psychologist, she's researched what she calls the physical social pain overlap. And she suggests, because it's so important that we have social connection for human survival, the social attachment system, which ensures that we have people to connect with and they're not alone. She's suggesting that it's piggybacked onto our pain system and it uses our physical pain systems to indicate to us when our social relationships are threatened because it's so important to our survival. She says the human brain has evolved to activate the same neural substrates when we experience physical pain and when we face social rejection. I think it totally makes sense. Of course, a hundred percent. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, 
everybody can feel that feeling where like you did something socially terrible and like it's an all body pain. Mm -hmm. It is pain. It's physical pain. Mm -hmm. I think that in talking about the ideas of like breaking that down and who does it benefit and like really trying to be intellectual about it. It's really about trying to override the biological system because your physical system that's, it's very interesting is wired to say, if I touch fire, I am in pain because my lizard brain is telling me like, no fire, bad, hot, you know, Mm -hmm. similarly, when I get up at a wedding and I do an unsightly dance and I turn around and everybody is looking at me and like, yeah, <laughs> and I I have Ouch. that same physical pain <laughs> yeah. because your body is like no unsightly dance at wedding. Right. Don't you will do be that. rejected from the tribe. Stop doing that. All right. That makes a ton of sense. So there's something called more science. There's something called the behavioral inhibition system. It's in our brain. Okay. I'm quoting yes. Arthur C. Brooks. He did a whole, he did a article in the Atlantic called No One Cares. And it's basically how to stop caring what people think. <laughs> and again, another guy. So this happens for all of us, not just women. So he says, when you're thinking about what you're supposed to do in a particular situation, your behavioral inhibition system is activated. So you're on that dance floor at the wedding. And you're like, don't look weird. Dance normal. Like, am I, is this still the dance people do? Right? Like, be weird, but not too weird. Yes. You're focusing on the cost of acting inappropriately. So the problem is, like you were saying, like, I don't want people to call me fat, but I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to fit into a certain size pants. Yes. He's saying that the problem, and it's all coming together for me now, that the problem is that when we are too concerned about the opinions of others, that our behavioral inhibition system can become overly active and sort of Mm. on all the time. And it impairs our ability to take action. Right. So he says, like, if, if you're constantly saying, oh, I shouldn't have said this, I should have done that. Or if you don't walk up to that person at the party at all because you're so worried they might think you're weird, that's your behavioral inhibition system in overdrive. And when we drink too much tequila, we override our behavioral, behavioral inhibition, inhibition system, system yes. completely. And then we won't care what and people then think. the next day, the behavioral inhibition system is back and being like, please, God, let nobody tag me on Facebook in pictures from last night. That would be horrible. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're right. That's probably why we do that because it, it allows us to override uninhibited and not notice what people are laughing at how we're dancing on the dance floor. Yeah. That. And what's interesting about it is the People who can be truly like the behavioral inhibition system obviously isn't developed in kids, right? Which is why people love those like TikTok videos of like the one kid at the concert who's like giving like a full Celine Dion drama performance while all the other kids are just like stomping their feet and like being, you know, the 1984 video of like, I will sing the song. And there's one kid going full out. And I think that's right. That like you want to find there's a flow and a sweet spot between a useful behavior inhibition system and a overdrived mm-hmm. behavior inhibition mm-hmm. system. Oh, more to talk about when we get back. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And now, your daytime brain versus your 3 a.m. brain. From the What Fresh Health Podcast. Your daytime brain. Okay, honey, I'll just be one second. I'm just finishing a text to grandma. Your 3 a.m. brain. I ignored his needs. I chose my phone over my child. Oh, there goes the entire notion of a happy childhood. What kind of a mother am I? Should I even refer to myself as a mother when what I really am is a neglectful monster? Your daytime brain. Oh my gosh, hi, Sheila. Long time no see. Your 3 a.m. brain. Why did I make that weird face when I saw Sheila? What kind of socially awkward face? Fiend says, long time no see. Call the idiot police. I need to be arrested immediately. Your daytime brain. This skirt looks cute. Your 3 a.m. brain. What was I thinking wearing that skirt? Pretty much every one of the three to 400 people who saw me today texted eight to 12 different people critiquing my look. I mean, that definitely happened. Your daytime brain. Hello, Phil. How's your wife, Jenny, doing? Oh, I'm sorry, Justine. Yes, your wife's name's Justine. Your 3 a.m. brain. No. I can never leave my home again, as there is a chance I will ever run into Phil again. I'm a shut-in now. I mean, it's the only safe choice. This has been your daytime brain versus your 3 a.m. brain from the What Fresh Hell podcast. I mean, my biggest solution to this whole issue is a long time ago at my first job, I was like a busy bee. I was a paralegal and I was like a busy worker bee, like right out of college. Look how great I am. And I brought something to a lawyer and he was like, this is excellent work. And I was like, thanks. And I came down and I was bragging to my like very trollish, you know, had been there forever office mate. And I was like, they said I did excellent work. And he just turned to me and he said, if you care when they compliment you, you got to care when they insult you. Mm. And it's like, I do think that playing the only way to win is not to play in terms of the more you live and die on what other people think, the more you care. It's a self-feeding system. Oh, that's interesting. And also, more importantly, because this is the part you have more control over, the more you do this to other people, the worse it is for yourself. Oh, yes. The more you look at Amy and you're like, God, what a blouse. What was she thinking? That looks dumb. And the more you talk about it to other people, it feeds a part of your brain that lets you believe. I used to be, you know, in comedy and hanging out with comics that's all everybody does all day is be like, look at her. Yeah. Amy nice. walks out of the room right, right. and it's like, what an idiot. Did you hear her mm-hmm. say that? But it's just feasting on each other for laughs, which is funny and fun. And it's kind of what makes comics brains work, like being very observational. 
But I did find that my anxiety was extremely high and I was so tuned into everything I did so that I would never be like the person being feasted on and letting go of that slowly over many years has been extremely good for my mental health. Like, I don't care what you do. And therefore, I don't have to care what you think I do. So my solution, I mean, I agree with that. And I actually had it in here because I saw that I saw it somewhere in my research for this episode. I'm like, oh, this is what Margaret says, that if you become less judgmental, you will then fear other judgments less in turn. Like I've heard Margaret say that. So I'm going to put that in here. I'm coming at it from a slightly different point of view, because having done this research, I now understand like you don't stop it at the source. You don't stop it at the like, I will stop caring what people think. You're not a bad person for caring what people think, for letting people, you're, you're your just feelings. you're just human. I'm not sure you can stop that. You can stop how you react. You can stop your living your life by your behavioral inhibition system, maybe, right? You can't stop yourself from yeah. doing what you're supposed to do, which is to attend to what other people think of you. And more importantly, I think this is one of these things that people say as if it's a solution, like, just don't care what people think. And then you live happily ever after, right? Just don't care what you weigh. And then you'll bathe in body positivity for the rest of your days. Well, it's not really that simple, right? Like saying, I don't care what people think. That you don't do that as a stealth way to becoming somebody who everybody likes all the time. No, that's right. Yeah, it's not a means to an end. It's life's work. And it will always hurt when people try to be mean because that's what they're trying to do. <clears throat> being really mean works. That's <laughs> stinks, but it's true. I think being really mean. I just saw the Northwestern graduation uh, speaker was talking about like, and I don't know if this is even true, but I was like, it's interesting. He's like, the dumbest person in the room is the meanest person in the room. And the smartest person in the room is the kindest mm. person in the room. Like that being mean is like you would call it a low power strategy of dominance. It's like an easy way. Like I can take you down if I want to by being like, I know what Amy feels the most insecure about. And I'm going to say that she is that thing out loud. Like that will always hurt your feelings for the rest of time because, but that's a mean person being mean. It's low, it's low power, but it works in the same way that a toddler having a tantrum works because it is effective, but it's not, this is deeper work yeah. than that is what and I some, would say. It's deeper work in saying like, I am going to work on myself, but it will never shield you against people being lazily cruel. Right. There's or, no just, or just rolling that. their eyes. Like, again, like I'm thinking about the like, you should put a hat on that baby. I mean, you can feel like judged by that. You can feel maybe wounded by that. You can feel annoyed by that. That isn't somebody like who woke up this morning out to ruin your life. But the problem is, again, when you I'm going to quote Sarah Coyne. She's a parenting columnist. And we talked about it in the other episode we did about parenting with an audience. She says yes, kids need consistent, reliable, trustworthy parents who don't change their game plan based upon who's watching. Oh, right. That's good, good advice. advice. And we need to be reliable selves to ourselves who don't change our game plan based on who's watching. It's the game plan. Right. It's not like stop caring. It's like stop changing your game plan based on what people think. I feel like that might be where I'm, I'm headed towards. Yeah. And I think the longer you live, like I've definitely seen a million examples of like the golden girl who everybody wanted to be and everybody was jealous of turn out to be a miserable person with really profound problems enough times in my life. That Charlize Theron kind movie of, where that, that happens to her. Um, Such a good movie. Oh, I love that movie. 
Except for the one bad thing about that movie is like 10 people saw this movie and was like, I saw a movie and it was totally reminded me of you <laughs> because she's constantly swilling Diet Coke and she has like really badly um, blown out hair. It's called Young Adult, Amy. And yes, it that movie has a lot of that. And I just think the longer you live, I have a friend who was dating a guy and everybody was like, he is, you know, George Clooney, reborn. Like, this is the most important. This is the best guy you could ever date. Broke up with him, married somebody else. And I think there are still people to this day who are like, what a loser. She lost that great guy. And like everybody who was close to the situation knows what really happened there. And what really happened there was that there was real problems with the great guy. And that the other guy was great. And so all the people who are sitting around still feasting on like, she lost that great guy and went with that. Like, okay, we all know what really happened. So like, I guess you have to just let the people feast and it can be really hard. And I'll tell you, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was my best friend said to me, one of your problems is that you think it's your job to convince people that they're jerks. She did not use the word jerks. And it's like, what if I stop making that my job? What if I just let jerks go through the world thinking they're great? Like, what if I could do that? It, it's pretty freeing. If what you if I do just it. went through the world, you know, knowing that it wasn't my job to make people realize that they're wrong if they you know, don't like me, that I need to correct their misapprehensions? Yeah. And I want to acknowledge because I know we have a lot of people who listen who live on military bases small towns. This is harder for people who live in closed social circles. Yes. Like closed social circles double up their social pressure to keep people in line. And so this is much easier. First of all, it's easier when you're older. Second of all, it's still true that the only power you have is to stop caring what people think. You can't change people's minds. And knowing your own truth, it's still all true. But I do want to say that my husband's from a small town and I know people from real small towns and small communities. And let me tell you, in a real small town, you can be 50 and people are still like, oh, remember that stupid girl and what she did in the eighth grade? Like it is a really different world than I think we live in really big towns where you can kind of reinvent yourself and find new friends. And then the people who you left behind seem kind of like, ah. When you live in these kind of high pressure social worlds, Amy's research, doubly important. There's double reasons why people are trying to exert social control through social power. And then the pressure on you is double or tripled because it feels very absolute when everybody on the base is like, this is the queen bee and this is where you fall in the hierarchy. And like, it's harder to escape, but I still think the same rules generally apply, which is you deserve to live like no one else is watching. And so that's the only power you have is to find it. Yeah. We do need to say, right, that you and I exist in a society where we're white, we're heterosexual, we're married to men. We have kids who are able-bodied and we we get to live our lives in the main of what people think is like an acceptable way to right. be, right? And so... Right. We exist in the fat part <laughs> of the exist, bell curve. Thank and- you. We exist in the fat part of the bell curve. So I hope that any of this discussion and advice is useful to people like, yeah, like my wife and I, two women, are raising our kids like near a cattle ranch. and Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, It's It's hard not to care what people think. I get it. Like your mileage may vary, but. So we solved it, but only a little (laughs) bit. But I think that 
that the overall solutions were made yes. correct. And so hopefully it was helpful. Yes. Let's it not helped care me. What people think, games. <laughs> let's, let's not let let's not what people think change what we do next, unless it's supposed to change what we do next. Can you right now take a moment where you're listening to this podcast? Doesn't matter what app you're in, and if you haven't done it already, follow subscribe. There's usually a little like plus sign you can tap on and then you just get every episode in your feed. Maybe you could rate and review, throw us some stars. If you use good pods, it actually lets you leave a comment in the episode, which I like and I've been using a lot. You can follow What Fresh Hell on good pods and see like what we're listening to. And that's that's a good way to do it. Anyway, if you just leave us a rating, a review, you follow the show, it's a great way to help us keep growing. Thanks, friends, for doing that. That will help us feel yeah, better yeah. about ourselves, which is <laughs> right. important. And we love it. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening. So long. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. 